Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome, welcome. Great to be with you. It's been a while. It's been yomtiv. And to be honest, <laughs> it's been the carryover of yomtiv as well. So not only was it weeks and weeks of no opportunity to be on on air but there was there was last week which was just after Simchas Torah and to be perfectly honest I just didn't have a voice so there was no way to do the show well welcome back welcome back it's good to be with you and it's good to have the opportunity to chat I opened up earlier today to suggestions to see if anybody had something on their mind. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that came through because it's indicative of where we are as a community, where we are as people, maybe where we are as a world, actually, to be honest. A lot of what's going on on the micro is really what's going on on the macro level. That's the that's the truth. So here we are, strange time in our collective history, trying to work out if we're in the green zone, if we're in a good space, trying to work out if we need to be concerned that maybe it's just a lull and, and, and life is going to get locked down again. I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting things to think about. So before we get started, let me just share with you, as always, the ways in which you could participate in this conversation. So as always, there is social media, and that's really, really popular always. So you can find me or you could find Chai FM on Facebook. Or on Twitter. On Twitter, it's at Chai FM. It's at Rabbi Shish. And you could find us on your phone. SMS line is 34519. Or for all of those people who know what Telegram is, perhaps you knew already before the WhatsApp outage, and perhaps now you've just become familiar with it. So you can reach us on Telegram on 0618951019. So those are all the ways that you could participate. Obviously, as always, your opinion drives the conversation, and that's what makes it interesting. So I'm I'm pretty keen to hear what's on your mind. Uh, Somebody suggested that we should keep it light today after all of the yontiv that we have been through, and maybe we should just lighten up and tell some Jewish humor or share some Jewish humor. It's an interesting point. I don't know if I have enough of a repertoire of Jewish humor, to be honest. Although I did hear a cute one today. I heard a story. It's not so much a joke, I suppose, but it's an interesting story. And it opens up uh, all kinds of interesting conversations in its own right. So the, the story goes that there was a fellow, not very learned fellow, as will become clear from the story. And he's at Shul. It's in the middle of Pesach, what we call Cholamoye, the days in between, the, the actual festival days, in between the Yom Tov. And he's in Shul, and it's Cholamoye, and they need to read the Torah. And this fellow, although he was Israeli, his personal ability to read from the Torah was quite limited. He wasn't the most religious individual, and the truth of the matter is that at the end of the day, it is difficult to read from the Torah, even if you are familiar with Hebrew. Makes an announcement. Is there anybody in the community, anybody present in the minion right now who could read from the Torah? <laughs> and this fellow says, if you are, he says, im kesef. That's how you say it in Hebrew. Im kesef. So this fellow was quite offended because im kesef translates as with money. 
In other words, it sounded like he was saying, if you pay me, I'll read. He was so upset. He was so offended. Here's this religious man and all he wants is money. And we need somebody to read the Torah for the minion. So he was indignant about it and he said, well, if that's the case, I'm actually going to read the, the portion myself. And he battled his way through and he broke his teeth. When he came, came home later, he complained to his son who was more religious than him. He says, that's what you guys are all like. You're only after the money. Im Kesef, that's what the guy was concerned with. <laughs> and the son says to him, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. He says, you have to understand that Cholamoyed, the intermediate days of Pesach, each day is a different Torah reading. So it's unlike the intermediate days of the holiday of Sukkot, where each day just follows on from the preceding day. But on Pesach, you've got to remember which day's reading it is. And one of the readings that we have during Cholamoyed starts off with the words, Im Kesef Talveh Esami, that you have a responsibility to lend your fellow Jew money when they're in financial distress. He says, that's what the guy was asking. He was saying, Im Kesef, if this portion for today's allocation is the portion about Im Kesef, then I know how to read it. You just misunderstood. I think it's profound because it's more than just a story of, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek and it's a little bit entertaining. It actually carries quite an important message. Quite an important message. Not to jump to conclusions about people and about what they think and about how they feel. Okay, I just said that in response to Steve, whose suggestion was that we should talk today about things a little bit lighter and things that are associated with uh, Jewish humor. Some other very interesting suggestions that came through, and there was a theme, about four or five people, and, I, and I'm really keen to hear if you have an opinion on this as well. Like, What would you want to speak about today? And even if you don't have a suggestion of what it is that you want to speak about today, maybe just give a wave on social media or an SMS just to let us know that you're there, that you're listening, that you're participating. You could just say literally hello. So what came through as a theme, quite a number of people were asking this question. And I, to, I didn't suggest it originally because I feel like we beat the same drum every single year. And this is fresh thinking and we're supposed to think of things that are fresh and that are different, but because I'd say, I mean, quite a lot of people responded with all kinds of very interesting suggestions, but this one came up again and again, and that was, what do you do now? So we've had this incredible period, this period, this preceding month, where it was Yom Tov and then Shabbos, and then Yom Tov and then Shabbos, which, let me translate that for you into rabbi language, it's exhausting <laughs> in rabbi language. It means on duty, and then you're on duty again. I mean, the truth is you're on duty even if it's not Shabbos or Yontav. But it means running a service and speaking and probably davening and interacting and hosting and inspiring. And to have them as it was this year, where literally every two days was another festivity, is quite taxing. And I'll be honest, I think... Many other rabbis feel the same way, kind of tired after all of that. But other people are asking this question, now what? We were inspired. We were connected. We had this amazing time of very elevated spirituality. And now what? So as I say, I feel that every year we come back to this conversation. And every year we are, uh, I don't want to say stuck. I don't think we're stuck. But every year we kind of look for the same 
assistance. Tell me, how am I supposed to handle this? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to uh, get get through uh, the transition from being so inspired to a space of feeling like I'm on my own? And it ties in. It probably ties in well with the Torah portion because somebody made a suggestion. I'm trying to find who it was. I think it was Moshe made the suggestion on Twitter. Uh, here it is. He says, this week's Torah portion is pretty interesting and unnatural. Other than that, I think the theme of this month is how we can practically tap back into spirituality after a month saturated with Shabbos and Yom Tov. And then he said each person has their unique method, which is true. So that might be a good place to start this conversation. What's your unique method? How do you translate all of that great soaring inspiration of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Simchas Torah? How do you translate that into the drab life of a full week of work? Well, what's your secret? How do you do it? Everybody would like to know. Share. Share with us. You can do that on social media. At Chai FM, at Rabbi Shesh. Use the Facebook page or SMS 34519 or use Telegram and send us a message on 0618951019. If you've got a secret of how you make this into a meaningful month, this, this month of Cheshwan that has zero holidays in it, none of the injection of spirituality that we've just had for a full month, how do you do it? What's your secret? Please share it with us. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Some people are definitely funny. <laughs> Somebody's, I didn't know about this, but some, somebody sent me a question. Has Wool, Woolies gone too far? <laughs> because they're now selling Hake Vorse. <laughs> okay. Don't know if that's tied into the, the Torah portion this week about Noah and the flood, or if that's tied into the transition from the Yont of High to the doldrums of normal life, but it's entertaining nonetheless. Here's somebody, Stephen, on Twitter who says, how do we achieve true devakos? That's like higher level stuff. Devakos, for those who are not familiar, means to be in a, in a sense of heightened spiritual connection where you actually feel, you feel that you're plugged in directly to God. Usually that's something that is reserved only for the greatest of the great. It's an incredibly powerful experience. In some cases, it sucks the soul right out of a person and they, they actually expire, which in plain English for you and I means they die. So like you had the two sons of Aaron, they had such a deep spiritual experience at the time of the inauguration of the tabernacle in the desert that it literally sucked their souls out of them and they died. We have a similar story the Talmud relates about Rabbi Akiva and three of his colleagues who went to, into a very deep spiritual state. And Rabbi Akiva was the only one who emerged in good health. So that's a good question, Stephen. And I suppose the question ties right into our conversation. Because have we not just had, at some level, of course, we're not at that highest spiritual level. But at some level, we've had an experience of Devakos of spiritual connection through Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and maybe to a different extent or in a different way over Sukkot and Simchas Torah. And it's very tempting to want to live the spiritual high on a consistent basis. It's not really the point. It's not really the point. So I I wouldn't spend the, the time that we have together working out how to achieve this elevated spiritual state of Devekos 
I'd rather spend the time talking about how do we translate our spiritual highs into something which is sustainable and something which is practical in our ordinary day-to-day experience. But then again, maybe that talks directly to what quite a lot of the other comments are. So here is, I don't know how you pronounce this, I think Pirvu on Twitter who says, given the difficult times that we're in, I would talk about faith and how it can guide and soothe us in such times. So that's real, right? That's real. You could escape the world for a period of time over Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now, living in South Africa in 2021, not only was it a spiritual escape, but it dovetailed really nicely with the fact that the COVID numbers came down and then the lockdown levels came down and society opened up to a certain extent. And it all feels quite escapist. There's stuff going on around us and we're not out of the woods yet, but it felt quite escapist. And here's somebody making a really good point. What about faith and what about the pointers for day-to-day life? So for some people, it's how do you deal with the health concerns that we have? And for other people, it's how do we deal with the financial concerns that we have? And there's a seesaw effect between them. The balancing act of anybody in governmental leadership at them at this point. You know, the minute you open up the financial sector, so there's a fear about what may happen in the medical sector. And the moment the medical sector clamps us down, there's a tremendous concern about what's going to happen in the financial sector. So you, you really have, excuse me, you really have to have faith at a time such as this. You really have to have faith. I heard an interesting insight this week. I hadn't encountered it before, and I'm not even sure if I remember who the source was. But it was a really interesting insight, which said this. If you imagine life in Noah's Ark, picture the scene for a second. So what's the longest time you've been locked down in your house? I think there's some people who've been locked down really for a year because outside of the mandated lockdowns, there are many people who were really afraid and probably for good reason to step out of their house. And even now, double vaccinated, some people are still afraid to step out of their house. So the longest period of time that somebody's been locked up at home is probably around a year, maybe even 18 months by this point. Now, Noah was on that ark for a year without Netflix, without Zulzi or 6060 or whichever particular app it is that you use just to order your groceries and have them delivered to your door. He was without electricity and running water. Oh, and by the way, think of who his flatmates were. Now, I know, I know, I know there are a lot of people who are going to tell you you don't understand. I have had the full range of all living species in my house during this lockdown. It's probably true. Probably some growling moments some moments where you may feel that you're locked up with a predator and some moments where you may feel that you're the predator. So I get it. There were definitely some pretty stressful moments throughout this period of lockdown. Again, whether it be mandated or self-imposed, it still doesn't come to Noah's experience on that ark. Trying to care for all of those different species of animals with all of their very different needs. So this was the interesting insight that I heard this week. Imagine being in Noah's Ark. Anybody who would reach the end of that period and be invited out, if they would tell you, no, no, I'm good, it's okay, it's fine, leave me in here, you'd say, what? I think you need your head red. What do you mean you're okay? Now, the truth is, on analysis, 
that's probably what's happening to many of us. Here we are, and we've gotten into a certain comfort zone. Many people have been pulling it a bit right from the beginning. I want to get out there. I want to have normal interactions. And they found their way to have those normal interactions. But many people are very much behind lock and key. I don't want to venture out. I don't want to expose myself. don't want to take risks. So you reach a point where they say, okay, it's fine. You can come out now. Everything's okay. And you say, whoa, I don't know if I want to come out now. Like the Japanese soldier who emerges decades after the war is over, rifle in hand. Become habituated, get used to certain things. So if anybody would tell Noah, all right, that's it. Open the door. Let the animals out. You're free to go. Whole world open to you. And he would say, no, thanks. I'm good. I think I'll stay right here in the ark. You would probably think that he needed to have his head read. What's interesting about it is that's exactly how the story goes. The same God who instructed Noah to enter the ark had to instruct him to leave the ark at the end. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that's like an elastic band that has been pulled to the fullest extent. And now you release it. You're coming out quickly. It's like I remember years and years ago jumping into a swimming pool in the middle of winter and it was absolutely icy and it literally ejected you out of the pool. You didn't, I don't even know how I got out. It was just like... Phew. Surely, 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 after being in that ark for so long, he was running for freedom, for fresh air, for sunlight. Why did God have to tell him to leave? So some of you will say, well, it's because he was an obedient servant and he waited for his instructions. And that's magnificent. But this particular insight that I heard was, you know, sometimes as difficult as things are in your personal circumstances, when you look around at what's going on in the rest of the world, as the old cliche says, if we all put our troubles into a bowl and each one of us was then given the option to take somebody else's troubles, we'd probably take our own back. So no matter how stormy it might be inside my personal environment, sometimes I look out at the rest of the world and say, you know what, I'd rather take what I have than whatever else is out there. And perhaps that's the message of faith. The faith to believe that what I'm dealing with and what I'm experiencing is really what's, what's quite good for me at this point in time. And, and with the benefit of hindsight, I'll probably look back at some point and say, you know what? It wasn't as bad as I made out. And especially compared to what else was going on around, maybe it wasn't so bad. Uh, I don't know. What, what are your insights? You're with Rabbi Shishla. It's fresh thinking. Half the hour. And we're coming up for another 20, 25 minutes of conversation on this topic. You come out of the great highs of the spirituality of Rosh Hashanah, etc. And now it's back to work. What inspires you? 34519 via SMS 0618951019. That's the telegram number. Lots of conversation coming through on social media. And I will share as much as possible um, as we go. That's Twitter and Facebook. You can find Chai FM or myself on either of those platforms. Really, really keen to hear what you have to say. You're with uh, Rabbi Shishlet's Fresh Thinking. This is where we talk about things that we all know about and try and see them through fresh eyes. That's where you come in. That's why I love hearing your voices, your opinions, your insights. 34519, that's SMSs. 0618951019 is for Telegram. You can also send messages via social media, Twitter and Facebook. Here we go. Kati on, on Twitter saying the same thing. How do you keep the holiday highs going? This was already from a while ago. So it was before we began to have this conversation. How? How do you keep your inspiration on? Maybe that's what Steve was talking about earlier when he said Jewish humor. 
That's what we should use, right? Jewish humor. Um, okay, yeah, whatever. Maureen asks, how do we find joy in all circumstances? Similar theme, right? It's all very nice to be joyous when you're sitting with a table filled with your family members and it's yomtiv. Great time to be jo- to be joyous. Not necessarily so easy to be joyous when life is just dragging along. I know for many people, you usually come out of Yom Tov feeling, ah, it's just a few weeks and then we can get to the coast in December. But this year, Yom Tov was early. And now you've got to wade through the whole of October and the whole of November. So it's definitely what they call in Yiddish, schlep equity at this point in time. So how do you get through it? That's right. How do you do that? Mark makes a similar similar point and he says, um, speak about making observance of our religion a joy, not a burden. Mm. Okay, so that's a good one. How do you make the experience of Judaism a joy, not a burden? Or to use the old Jewish cliche, more joy, less oi. Yes, I know, it's completely overused. And so you probably had a, your, an, uh, an oi as I said that. Here's uh, Jean-Paul who says, Yom Tov is over. It's time to set a routine. There's a good piece of, of, of advice. Time to set a routine for the rest of the year for everyday collection of spiritual gems, spiritual accomplishment, and growth of charity and good deeds, studying and sharing Torah wisdom. And then he says a nice little metaphor to have provisions before we go into the big arc of the next world. Okay, I don't know about you. I'm not rushing to the next world just yet. I hope none of us is actually. I hope we're here for a while still. This is where we get to make an impact on the world. So Jean-Paul says, that's what you've got to do. Make a routine. Create a routine. Now, routines are boring. Yes, they're not as exciting as swinging around the bimmer with a Torah in your hands on Simchas Torah or sitting on a beautiful spring evening in the sukkah together with your family. Routines are boring. Yes, Routines are also the key to sustainability. Yes, they are. Keen to sustainability. So that is a great one. That's a great one. Um, create routines. Very good. Here, uh, Tzipora says, why do we feel so depleted after the Yom Tov period when we're supposed to feel invigorated for the rest of the year? And then she says, is it just me? And three people respond, no, it, I, I feel exactly the same. Great question. And you know what? I'll be honest. Me too. I really felt quite depleted. I think in the rabbinate, it's because you invest a lot of time and, and a lot of energy during the Yonta period. And by the end of it, it's like being a wrung out rag. That's, that's certainly how I feel. Now, is that how it's supposed to be? Are you supposed to feel depleted? This is a great question. And this is a question we should really address. Is it correct is it appropriate? Is it a problem? Is there something wrong with me if I feel depleted rather than invigorated after the yomtiv period? So let's stay with that thought for a little bit and let's talk about it. When you hear the suggestion of making a routine, I don't have the energy to stop making routines right now. I just threw everything I had at four weeks of yomtiv. Give me a break. I actually think that yomtiv should have been immediately before December. So you go through the whole spiritual high, then you spend three weeks in plet. And just catch up and breathe, right? That would be nice. So why don't we feel invigorated? Probably there, there must be a bunch of reasons for this, but probably one of the reasons is expectation versus reality. It's something that happens 
consistently throughout Jewish history, throughout the Jewish experience, expectation versus reality. So to use a really dramatic example of that, think of standing at the foot of Mount Sinai and you've just received the Torah from God himself. I think that trumps a Yom Tov in Joburg. Okay, I mean, Yom Tov in Joburg is beautiful and all, but could you imagine standing at the foot of Sinai and God booms out the Ten Commandments loud and clear and it's such an overwhelming experience. You think, that's it. I'm sure I've been completely rewired and I'm sure I'm a whole different person now and I'm going to go out there and change the world. So if you felt when they sang Kol Nidre or when we all cried out Shema Yisrael at the end of Yom Kippur, if you felt that's it, I've been completely rewired and now I'm going to take on anything, multiply that feeling or that expectation exponentially and you'll get a taste of what it must have been like to stand at the foot of Sinai. So how long did it take for them to feel depleted? Not as not as quick as us. Us, the, the minute you pack away the yumt of dishes, it's like, whew, I'm dead, I'm done. They lasted a couple of weeks, a few weeks, 40 days. That's how long they lasted. 40 days from the single greatest spiritual high in history. 40 days. That's how long they held out. And then, boy, did they feel depleted. And, boy, did they feel uninspired. In fact, they felt let down. In fact, they felt like failures. In fact, they felt that they needed a crutch. And they totally missed the, the point with where they went for that crutch. But they went to the golden calf. As we well know. And what a disaster. What an absolute disaster. So you think you feel depleted. <laughs> How do you think they felt? Think about that for a second. Why does this happen? Why do we get dropped so dramatically from the great highs of our spiritual experience? I would love to hear if you've got a thought about that. I'd love to hear it on social media or on SMS on 34519, or on Telegram on 061-895-1019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Right, so now we're touching on uh, what's probably quite a raw nerve for many people. You come out of this incredibly spiritual time, and you don't just feel, okay, we've lost the spark, but we're good. You feel flat. He has Moshe on Twitter with a suggestion. He says, you've got to set up time every single day to learn Torah. That is the most impactful and effective method to, quote unquote, tap into spirituality. He says, nowadays technology allows us to have vast access to multimedia for any topic from world-renowned teachers, which is true. Which is true. We're, we're quite, we're quite uh, blessed in that way. Here's Angsty Jew on Twitter who says, the question is, how do we incorporate all of the spirituality and mitzvahs into the busy schedule that we have? And that is a big issue. You know, we tend to be run off our feet. So, yeah, how? How do we do that? So the question, I suppose, is why does play, God play yo-yo with us? Lifts us up to these incredible spiritual heights 
whether it be through giving us his special festivals, whether it be through sending his prophets as he did historically, whether it be the occasional miracle that happens. And we've seen miracle in contemporary times. And it's not always that those miracles have produced greater spirituality in the long term, be it the Six-Day War, then Tebi Raid, the Gulf War, where Saddam Hussein fired all those Scud missiles at Israel and really nothing happened, and possibly things that happen in your personal life. Every one of us knows somebody who's had some kind of a spectacular story. Why does it not seem to produce that invigoration that we're looking for, that that elevation that we're looking for? Why does it seem to just drop us straight afterwards? Good question. It's a really good question. And perhaps the answer lies in the question itself. Something we've discussed on this show many times before, and I believe it's an axiom of Judaism. And that is that at the end of the day, God can do anything. And that's not the point. <laughs> it's not the point. God can do anything. But he didn't. He decided that he was going to create a world with us. And we can't do anything. <laughs> right? We can't do anything. In fact, there's a very limited amount of what we can do. And it frustrates us all the time. It frustrates us that we can't keep our inspiration going. It frustrates us that we have so many things on our to-do list that feel we'll never get to. It frustrates us when the Talmud says that no person leaves this life having fulfilled 50% of their ambition. How's that for a thought? It frustrates us that we read of what the expectations seem to be in the Torah. And then we compare that when we look in the mirror and say, I'm not getting anywhere. We frustrate ourselves when we make all these resolutions and sweeping declarations over the course of the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur period. And we're not even a month down the line. Okay, just over a month down the line. It's Rosh Chodesh today, so it's a month from Rosh Hashanah. And we're already failing ourselves. So God could do anything and it feels like we could do just about nothing. So it's almost like he rubs our nose in it. Okay, here's my month. Okay, I'll give you my month. Rosh Hashanah, 10 days of Teshuvah, Yom Kippur, the preparation for the holiday of Sukkot, the, the days of Sukkot, Hoshana Rabbah, Shmini Yatzerah, Simchas Torah. Okay, that's my month. Can you see how much we've got? Can you see how much opportunity? Can you see how much energy? Okay, I'll give you, that's me. Next month, the month of Cheshvan, no holidays in sight. No special occasions. This is the month that God says, that's for you. All right, let's see what you can do. What can we do? Let ourselves down, feel depleted, go through the, the doldrums. That's what we could do. <laughs> Doesn't sound very promising. Kind of sounds like he's rubbing our face in it. I mean, it could have, could have done this differently. Two weeks holidays, two weeks leaving us to our own devices, another two weeks of holidays, another two, something like that. But you see, that's exactly the point. That is every bit of the point. When we hit that low, when we experience that sense of depletion, when we recognize our own shortcomings, it's an incredibly humbling experience. It's not a negative experience. It's not a failure. 
It's a humbling experience. And I know this might sound paradoxical, but one of the greatest and most invigorating human experiences is humility. As long as we think we have all this power and all this greatness, it's not actually invigorating. It's when we realize that we're humble, when we realize that, you know, I have severe limitations. I really do. That's the fact. I get tired every single day, right? Raise your hand if you agree. I get tired every single day. I get hungry every single day, more than once a day. I get bored every day. I get upset every day. I feel lazy about certain things or I procrastinate every day. I'm envious of people every day. The list goes on. Every single day, if I'm honest with myself, I have to confront my limitations. And that's where my power lies. My power lies in my limitations, you see, because if there's one thing that God created, when he created the world, it was this incredible sense of paradox. In his reality, which is an infinite reality, no biggie if you do great things. Why wouldn't you? You're infinite. You have infinite abilities. You have infinite strength. You have infinite uh, uh, tenacity. You don't get tired. You don't get hungry. So obviously you achieve great things. That's not impressive. Not impressive at all. In fact, no matter how great those things are, they mean nothing because you're dealing with infinite. So if infinite God achieves a billion achievements, it's nothing compared to infinite. Then we enter the fray and we come in with this hugely paradoxical reality, which is we can achieve almost nothing. This month that's given to us, this month of Cheshvan, devoid of even a single holiday. The next thing on the horizon is Hanukkah and it's not in this coming month. And you could argue it's not even a full festival. It's a rabbinic festival, whatever that means, subject for another conversation. This month that is so empty, I have two choices. I could look at this month and say, this is the month that shows me up. This is the month that reminds me how limited I am, how depleted I feel. Or I could look at it and say, this month is a blank canvas. It's not, it's not predetermined by God. With all his infinite power, it's a blank canvas. And whatever I'm going to put onto that canvas is going to be meaningful. And that's the paradox. The paradox of the human experience is that when I feel most inspired is not when I'm most valuable. It's when I feel most humble. When I feel my limitations. And then marvel at the fact that God gave me a blank canvas to work on. That tells you that somehow he values my basic, rudimentary, childlike art on that canvas. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. There's an interesting uh, tweet from Kati who says maybe because uh, earlier on, who was it, John Paul, who suggested that what we really need to do right now is create a routine. So Kati says maybe if we in our routine try to go deeper, find the next level or concentrate and understand words one by one, dot, dot, dot. In, in other words, maybe then we'll make that transition. See, I think the thing is this, that once we appreciate the, the, the principle of paradox, once we appreciate the principle 
that this is how Hashem wants the world to work. He doesn't want it to be a place where he pumps inspiration through our veins. He wants it to be a place where we we taste what we're looking for. That's what Yom Tov gives us, gives us a taste. Now you know what you're looking for. Now you know, as the Talmud says, the, the baby is taught the entire Torah before birth, and then it forgets it. But at least now you know what you're looking for. You know what should resonate. You know what's appropriate. The real value is when you find it and create it on your own. And it might be somewhat hackneyed and it might not look anything like the original, but it's beautiful because it's a creation from scratch. And that's the thing. I think that's what we've got to take out of Yom Tov. Rather than to take out of the Yom Tov some, some kind of a spiritual hangover. It's like, well, that was great, but now I'm feeling the aftershocks. Or rather than coming out of Yontav and saying, well, that was great. I can't wait till the next Yontav because that's when I'll be inspired again. Rather, what we should be walking out with is a sense of, wow, that's amazing. That's what God believes I could actually produce. Somebody said it earlier today, and I can't remember where I saw it, but I thought it was great. Somebody said uh, either warning or public service announcement or something like that, that the degree of holiness that is available during the month of Tishrei, which is the month of all the big festivals, is the same degree of holiness that is available during this month now, the month of Cheshvan. I, I think it's simple yet profound. This is exactly the point. God is infinite. He is not locked away in the special occasions. He's available in the ordinary plodding along the times that I push myself to do things that don't come easy. The times when I create a routine and stick with it. The times when I make a small resolution, but keep it. The time when I keep my mouth shut, even though I felt like I really wanted to say something insulting to another person. The time when I opened the sitter and looked inside and read the words and meditated for 30 seconds on their meaning, rather than just rattling it off by heart because I'm so used to it. Those are the times of real connection. Those are the times of real meaning. Those are the times that explain why God created humans rather than just these beautiful, perfect spiritual beings such as angels. And I think that's the transition. So we've got to be pragmatic and we've got to think about what practical things can I do. Setting up a routine, great idea. Using the routine in a meaningful way, great idea. Most of all, trusting the process that where I am is an opportunity for me to become the greatest me that I could be. I want to wish you a wonderful Shabbos and a meaningful month. Please got a successful month and a successful year. Stay safe and stay sane.